Hello and welcome to the Scottish Games Network podcast. My name is Andrew and this week we're back to Seb who's got another interview, this time with Gary McCartan, the CEO of Pocket Sized Hands. Uh, Pocket Sized Hands are a Dundee-based AR and VR developer formed in 2017 and they've done a whole range of client work including with Cambridge University with whom they made a game called Dish Life which educates players about stem cell research in a very kind of cute and vibrant way with a fantastic kind of paper craft art style and they also made Nay Danger which we covered on the site earlier this year which is aimed at young people across Scotland and it aims to educate young people about the dangers of knife crime and empower them to speak up about it through a kind of eye-catching visual novel sort of presentation. Um, they've also developed their own IP, which is a big part of the conversation today with Seb, including the award-winning online multiplayer stealth game Honeypot Espionage. In his chat with Seb, Gary talks about how Pocket Size is able to dedicate more resources to pursue more original IP as a result of their client work, and he also talks about about how the company came to be, starting with him coming to Dundee in the first place to uh, attend Abertay University in the games course there. It's a great conversation and it gives an insight into the Scottish games industry from the perspective of a younger, uh, relatively younger company. Uh, as I said, they were formed in 2017. So um, thanks once again to Seb, that's Sebastian Mackay of the Scottish Business Podcast and also the More Than Punk podcast. So uh, he's basically um, a podcast machine. So if you enjoyed this conversation, rest assured there is plenty, plenty more where that came from. So take it away, Seb. Hey, Gary, how you doing? Hey, Sebastian, how's things? Yeah, I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing? Yeah, not bad. Yeah, it's all going well. It's been a good week. We've, I've been having a few of these conversations with people around, you know, what makes Scotland such a great place to, to be a game developer. And we've literally covered like everything from the shit weather through to, you know, UK tax breaks and, and that kind of thing. But I think the thing that's really stuck out the most for me is that really strong, rich heritage and that kind of scottish um approach to not really shouting about the things you do there seems to be a a magical mix in there somewhere where like people tend to be quite quiet about it with the exception of you know ruffian and rockstar and that kind of thing but but also you know there's that deep history going way back to you know lemmings and and things in dundee so for you is it a is it a point of inspiration or is it a point of convenience that that you know means you have the studio up here as opposed to I guess I can say south of the border is technically a border, right? South of yeah. the street sign is much less impressive. <laughs> yeah, no, like I'm um, so I'm f- a bit of background. I'm from Ireland, and um, you know I was working in a different job before I before I started into games. And uh, when I was when I was doing my research, because you know I didn't when even when I was outside of Scotland, like I knew that games were made in the UK. I didn't know how big Scotland was within the games industry. Mm. And you know when I was doing like little bits of pieces of different research, and then I found out about Abertay and Abertay being the university, and I went there because they had they just the course just seemed amazing. Uh, that that was the first thing that really drew me to Scotland as part of the game industry was the university that I wanted to wanted to go to. Mm. 
And then like, you know, when you, when you decided on the university, you start researching a little bit more about the city and who's there. And then, you know, the first thing you find out is that, you know, DMA design started up here, made lemons, made rockstar. And like, you know, my dad used to play lemons all the time when he, when I was younger and being, you know, when I go home and I'm like really excited, it's like, dad, DMA design is in Dundee. He's like, who, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. He, he's forgotten all about it but then as soon as you mention lemmings his face lights up and he's like oh that's really cool and you know you know finding out that the guys from uh rockstar span out and made their own studios here as well and um just really helped be much be part of the boom that's become especially in dundee for us uh mm. is where we're based but just just really help what the um grow that's that um, the games industry in Scotland um, and it's it's definitely what's made me stay um, rather than what got me here because you know like you say you know we, they need to talk about it a little bit more um, need to sort of show off a little bit more about what what some of the guys here do. Well you I often and I've said this to a few people but I think of LA as being like the place that you go to make it in games and last year i spent some time um in seattle and met some game developers and wow last year my life's getting away on me the year before before the whole <laughs> yeah. before the the great yeah. the great ending began um and talked to some game devs over there and stuff and obviously there you've got headquarters for nintendo microsoft you know sort of everyone knows that but talking about scottish games with people over there and it's an interesting thing because everyone sort of knows about it industry-wide right but consumer side we tend to be fairly quiet about things but i often wonder if that kind of works to our advantage you know people think of rockstar as being a, a sort of new york production but i wonder if that sort of understated heavy focus on the technical and creative side as opposed to you know sort of big flashy look at me things is, is part of our strengths yeah i don't know like um it's definitely like uh, a different way of going about things. You know, I've been over to Seattle, I've been to the Microsoft offices as well. And like, when you're there, you, it's just like, everyone's so friendly. Um, you know, you're getting shown around everything and they're like, hey, look at this really cool thing. And uh, you know, when you come to Dundee, like everyone's still really friendly, but it's like, let's go to the pub and get a drink. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you just talk about normal life. Um, you know, and uh, you just get down to work when you need to. Um, but I, I don't know. I definitely think, um, um, uh, you know, it probably seems a little bit more introverted over here, you know, mm. whether it works or not better. Um, I definitely think that what Dundee's doing, it's doing really well. Um, I definitely think what Scotland's doing, it's doing really well. And I just hope it keeps doing it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think the cool thing is, is that the cluster seems to be thriving and growing in a way that like is incredibly positive, you know, that doesn't, apparently there's, there's not a lot happening in the startup side of it, maybe compared to like FinTech and, and that kind of thing. But in terms of established studios, I mean, everyone seems really happy. Yeah, no, but there is, there is quite a few startups that come from here. And especially like, um, you know, one of the big things about the university that I went to that they had this competition called Dare Academy. And mm -hmm. it was all just about pushing young talent to, to come out and do their own thing. 
um, you know, that's where we started off from. Uh, we started off pretty small and we uh, we started, you know, getting little bits of smaller work from bigger companies. And that's just really what helped us grow. And that's probably one of the biggest benefits of being here is that, you know, we're, you know, even though we're small, we still think we're small fry, we're a small company, but we've got these other bigger companies that we can reach out to for help and just say, hey, look, have you got any work going or is there anything that you need a bit of help with? And, you know, they've they've been fantastic for us and have fantastic helping us. And it's just it's just been, you know, like you do see a lot of studios start up and try their own thing and come and go. And, you know, obviously some of them do really well and some of them fail, but, you know, it's all about that learning experience and just making, making the time as valuable as possible. I mean, running a business is no easy feat, regardless of the the kind of industry, right? It's that there are so many universal challenges to like cash flow and hiring and sales and marketing and all that kind of thing. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's it's good and it's bad, you know, like is, you know, when we go into work, you, you know, the first thing that we have to think about is like, how are we going to keep this going for the next couple of years? You know, we want uh, everyone at the company, we're, we're like, a, you know, we're a pretty good team together. We want that team to stay together. And our first priority is making sure, okay, right, tomorrow we're all going to be able to work together. And that it helps, you know, that business mentality uh, to 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 do that but it can have it can have a bit of a knock-on effect in some of the creative aspects you know we'd really like to be doing a lot more of our own stuff and you know if there was a little bit more support from you know arts and culture um there's great support out there already um but you know there'd be a lot more creative freedom if there was that financial security for new startups especially that were just wanting to try their own thing or do their own thing and they wouldn't have to worry about you know feeling so much or not having money to pay their bills um or put food in the table you know yeah for sure what do you think the industry needs to do and i i think what's interesting about this question is we all kind of know that the big players maybe obscure or slightly um skewer the the stats and, and and all of that kind of thing but what do you think the industry needs to do to get taken that little bit more seriously and so people can understand its economic impact more and the, the value of investing you know through government grants and startup innovation schemes and that kind of thing I think I think they need to reinvest in the UK Games Fund. Like uh, the UK Games Fund was absolutely fantastic, and it's lost a lot of its funding. And you know the amount of creative products that came through the UK Games Fund. You know some didn't get finished, some went on through to completion. But having that fund there, that was you know a little bit of a substantial boost, especially to the smaller companies to help get their games over the line or get it out in front of people down at EGX. So it was just. You know, it was an amazing experience for us and it was just a real big help for us. Do you see, where do you see yourselves sitting um, in the industry? Because obviously you mentioned having clients and I know that Glitcher, for example, or Glitches rather, does the sort of client side of things, um, but then also develops their own kind of IP on the side, right? Do you sort of see your, your business model following a similar kind of thing? Or is your idea to push more into just creating your own IP as like a full-time mission statement? Yeah, like our end goal uh, for Pocket Sized Hands is to be doing our own IP full-time um, and to have the funding um, to be able to do that. And, do you, and with our IP, just be able to create the funding as well. So it just allows us to keep keep doing that again and again um you know the work for hire is great and we take on great projects that uh we love working on as well um 
and it's, it's really cool some of the work for hire that we're doing is really interesting and you know it can be quite um working on so many different projects can be can be fun um but yeah and like we 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 want to make our own stuff we want to make really cool stuff and show it off so we know that like loads of people probably more than ever are playing games at the moment right the first time that the i was going to say the first time the pandemic um hit but that sort of early stage it was impossible to get a nintendo switch from like anywhere right people are spending more time more money on games but i think that maybe there's more attention on the industry but people's time gets sort of chewed up by like your call of duties or triple a's and that sort of thing as an indie how do you sort of cut through that on your own ip and and make sure that you're getting noticed and building that sort of it is a sales funnel right i know we like to talk about games in terms of like art and creativity but it is a business so like how do you build that sales funnel yeah no like so for us it's really important for our brand um like you know pocket-sized hands is just you know it's 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 just us, you know, like we're just trying to sell ourselves rather than sell a game. And that's, that's what really makes part of our, part of our brand that we're just trying to grow. And, you know, through the work for hire, we're slowly doing that, but we're just trying to do a little bit more outreach, you know, things like discord and just keep our Twitter um, posting along. And, you know, it's still, you know, it's still going to be tough when it comes to doing our own IP uh, to push through that barrier, but um, building that brand to pocket sized hands is what we think is going to really help us. And you're talking a little bit before about like being able to hit up some of the big companies and, and build those relationships. Do you feel like the games environment here is maybe more collaborative than it is competitive, if that makes sense? Yeah, 100%. Like, you know, we're, you know, we're, it's, it's kind of like, you know, um, that whole thing that if you have a game idea, there's no point hiding it from people because they're mm-hmm. already working on their own thing. So there's so many times like we get offers for work and we, we, we have to turn it down. And, you know, if there's a smaller company here in Dundee or a startup in Dundee, there's projects that might be really suitable for them. We'll try and help them out and send them a couple of projects their way. And it's the same with the bigger companies for us. Like they'll be turning down work all the time as well. And then it just, it just, like a bit of a waterfall effect almost just helping us pick up work that they can't do and it allows us to grow our own sales pipeline as well especially just being you know so new uh, as a company was there a sense for you that dundee would be i mean obviously you talked about abate and, and dundee's history and stuff but if you look at it versus say edinburgh or glasgow or something is there a, a draw card for dundee beyond that um like is it an easier sort of cheaper place to to do business in in terms of through business i think it's just the fact that there's so many games companies here you know um i think last time i counted there was about 15 Mm. um you know it's like one of those things you can never tell off the top of your head but there's loads of small little developers um knocking about the biome collective is awesome for just housing great talent as well and we've seen one game get launched from there um just this year which is doing really well or at least looks it seems to be doing really well we always talk, I think, about how you don't think of game, like you don't think of Dundee when you think of games. You think of sort of quote unquote like sexier cities, you know. Like, and but it's the same for us in in New Zealand. They, you know, we have some great studios doing some really good stuff that are blowing up in the US and China. But you walk down the street and you say them to to someone in New Zealand, they'll be like, I've never heard, of, never heard of it. You know, never. Yeah. It's it's always it seems like that kind of cultural crossover is that games are sort of 
off to the off to the side somewhere you know yeah and i I think like you know the fact that uh ruffian just got bought out by rockstar and um unity is uh you know um going to be hosting their offices here as well like it's just there's 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 just a seems to be like just more influx of interest especially in the industry of like dundee is a place to be um but you're right like you know if i went over to america you know they might not even know where Dundee is. Um, I probably didn't know where Dundee was before I moved here. You know, <laughs> most people don't. Yeah, we try, we try, we try, and it's and that's the thing, right? We, it's the games capital. It's it's kind of weird. I was just going to say it's the games capital of Scotland, and just make this kind of like unequivocal statement. But I guess in a, in a lot of ways, it it really is. Yeah, yeah, and it's pretty cool. Like you know, when I came over and we were in university, we got mentors from the game industry. And, you know, one of my mentors was a guy who worked in the original Grand Theft Auto. Nice. You know, he was so cool. super down to earth. But then it's really hard not to, like, fanboy out at the same time and be like, but I'm sure he gets fed up of it, too. Yeah, I, like, but, I am the worst for that. I find myself, like, constantly talking to people. Like, even doing things like this, and I'm talking to people, I'm a fan of whatever art they're creating, and I'm just sitting here, like holy shit and i got caught out for it the other day it was quite funny i was talking to a guy and he's like if your adolescence if you told your adolescent self that you would be doing this you'd be freaking out and i was like dude i'm fucking freaking out right now <laughs> yeah exactly you know especially like when we go to events and we're uh you just sitting chatting chilling to people who just super down to earth like the game industry like you know it's all business and you know there is a you know um hard work that goes into it but how laid back it can be at times is just amazing it's beautiful like you were saying before about how um the sort of business side can impact on the creativity side like if you're sort of thinking how are we going to make enough sales how are we going to to build this thing up i mean as a entrepreneur right how do you balance that in your thinking and in the team that you're that you're leading right like how much do you shoulder and how much do you let kind of trickle down as it were yeah so so for our first game that we were were doing um it it has like a couple of core goals that we want to get it across right so our first game we're not expecting it to do well we're not ex- expecting it to sell well but what we want is pretty much a, a sales um uh, a game that's going to help sell us and our brand a little bit more um so if we have a game that we can do you know we can do a couple of different things like you know networking or really um interesting programming on or a specific art style you know that might be something that draws in a little bit more business in the work for hire thing that could help us push the second game and we can just like build ourselves up from that way you know working from strength to strength until we can um, start to fund it ourselves can you talk me through a bit about where you see things going like do you do you guys are you guys looking at thinking yep we'll be on you know steam pc will be on switch is there a goal to move to consoles like how did you how are you mapping that that sort of thing out yeah no like our our uh our goal is to be across all platforms so um pc switch and just be able to have the capability to do that in-house as well um you know we, we love learning the the guys in the house um they, they love taking on new challenges and trying out new things as well. It's not only from the creative side, but from the technical side of things too as well. So when we see new things come out as well, like especially VR when it first came out, it mm-hmm. was just, okay, right, this is something that we definitely have to try. And uh, it, it's it's been a lot, it's just been a real help for us. Um, but for the business, yeah, like, and 
for the games that we want to make we want to make games that everyone can play yeah and on that kind of thing like how do you measure the success of of your game i mean because obviously like and i get that the obvious immediate answer is you know we sell a million copies everyone makes loads of money and we become the biggest game like company in the world like i get that there's a an element of that but on a deeper sort of business level you've been talking about learning you've been talking about not expecting to sell you know hundreds of thousands of of copies but when you're scared when you're building something like that how do you look at it and go okay this is where success is going to be for this game and how are we going to build on that for the next one yeah as long as as long as we've got a bit of a vision of where that's going to take us like or at least that what what we do is going to benefit us in the long run you know Hmm. um you know if we make one game that may not might not do as well but it leads to a bit of work that does really well that then lets us do um something a little bit bigger with our own ip that's what's really cool but yeah it's just um uh, we measure success whatever we do is helps us make the next thing Hmm. and as long as that next thing is a little bit bigger that's that's what really matters to us do you guys ever think about and because and I ask this because it's really popular talking to fintechs and and that kind of thing, looking at like venture capital funding and and that sort of jazz. So are you do you know is there ever a thing of like yeah we want to get funding to build this or do you prefer that you know you build the studio, um, get your own wins and your own funding and then fund your IP sort of beyond? Yeah no we like we we've we've discussed it and we thought about it and you know like that investment could be really interesting. And, you know, we have talked to investors before in the past as well, but at the same time, we're funding it ourselves. And when it came down to different things, we had to look at it and be like, what could an investor do for us? Mm. Because for the most part, it would be financial for the type of investors that we were talking to. But, you know, if, if say like you know our goal is to make our own ip and our goal is to make a success of our own ip and if there was a you know a specific game investor out there who would who would have the skills to help us do that not necessarily the financials that's the type of investment that we would we would probably look at but at the same time being your own boss and not having to say or like worry about what anyone else is requirements are or their goals their different needs like in the office we're all on the same page we all have the same goals and same drives so uh, it's pretty cool when we can do that ourselves too i mean it's why we start businesses right so yeah, we can definitely. be our own bosses so it's like if you get investment you're just like getting rid of that straight away yeah definitely um in, in its own little way and uh you know but definitely if we were looking at investment it wouldn't just be for a financial side of things it would be you know okay right what can this person help us do because I find the startup side of the industry super interesting in that obviously it can take you a year or two years to build a game, you know, if not more. And then you sell it, you've got to get return on it to fund the next game. And it is or it can be a very title driven kind of slow burn process. Like so for you at your stage of business, and I you know, with the the client work to one side, like how do you navigate that? How do businesses of your size make you know make sure that they can keep sort of moving forward you know it's tough like it's definitely tough you know unfortunately sometimes the contract work has to come first you know Mm -hmm. if we have guys working on our own stuff in-house and there's an opportunity to to do a contract that's going to allow us to keep going for an extra year that that contract has to take priority um but it's just making sure that we we don't forget about it and we make sure that we're 
driving towards that. One of our like um, business goals for 2021 is to develop a, a completely um, independent full-time IP team. So we've always got a small team in-house that are just working on IP the whole time. How is, how is 2021 shaping up for you? Like, you, I mean, I know that, you know, the whole point of development in games and, and indeed FinTech is that you can just pick up your laptop and like work from anywhere, right? Um, but there have been other studios that have made big, big moves, canceling leases on offices and, you know, really embracing that kind of thing. So how's that all shaping up for you guys? Yeah, you know what, like uh, this whole year has been not too bad for us. Like we can't complain at all. Um, we we were lucky that when we had to move out the office, we have no more rent to pay. Mm -hmm. So we're just um, ticking along in our own homes, just paying our own electricity bills. Um, but 2021 um, looks to be pretty exciting. It looks to be pretty promising. Like once, you know, like I can imagine for many people, once coronavirus ends, it's going to feel like a fresh start as well. And it's just going to be so exciting when we can get back out there, back into a new office, being able to see the guys again as well. Um, not just over video calls is going to be just going to be make things a lot better for everyone um, in the office and just, you know, um, feel like a human again. Yeah, yeah, because it's such a collaborative process, right? And uh, like for me, in a weird kind of way, doing podcasts socially distance is sort of ideal in the sense that, <laughs> yeah. you know, the tech just makes it so much easier than having to like turn up to someone's office with a suitcase and microphones and headphones and all that kind of shit. But for yeah. doing creative collaborative work, I mean, I imagine that that adjustment is, I guess you're used to it now, but initially kind of challenging. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we 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 were lucky. I think we um we we transitioned pretty quickly. Um, uh, it wasn't it wasn't as much of a bad burn for us at the start, you know. Like, mm. um, we had the projects the guys were working on um on a couple of different projects, who were working with different companies, and you know, like um, it just it 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 flowed pretty well. Um, so I think we were just re like over lockdown, we've just been lucky. Like we, we can't complain about anything. Yeah. Which is always such a, like a great place to be. And it's one of those funny things I think where you can talk about this kind of stuff and it sucks to say, but like, there are so many businesses that have benefited and yet so many businesses that have gone under and, and lives that have been ruined. And it's always such a, um, delicate line to walk, I think. Yeah, definitely. Like, and um, I just, uh, it's it's one of the reasons why I'm looking forward to getting out of lockdown. You know, I know that there's a couple of uh, studios that are starting out out of Aberté um, this year. And like, it's going to be so much more beneficial for them when they can get out there, they can meet people and um, they can start to build their own relationships as well. So earlier you mentioned the um, UK Games Fund. We were talking about how we can sort of make the industry a bit more well-known. And I'm keen to revisit that for a sec, because what I'm wondering about that is, do you feel like these things need to be sort of more studio-led in the sense that, like, you know, if studios put into the game fund, they can create innovation and that sort of thing. Or do you feel like there's, and I'm going to use the word lobbying, and I know it sounds gross, but I don't care. Um, people, yeah. you know, is it, does there need to be an element as well of like going to MPs and, and explaining like, yes, we make video games. No, they're not for children. Um, they're also, you know, useful, good for the economy and all that kind of stuff. 
like I, I, I think this year has shown the importance of what cultural funding can do. You know, um, how um, people at home, I'm sure they're really frustrated at just being able to being at home and not being able to go out and do anything, not being able to go to a show, not going to be able to go to the theater and games plays heavily into that as well. And, you know, I definitely think that the government has a bit of a responsibility to, to provide, um, um, cultural experiences for the people who live in the United Kingdom. Um, you know, because if we didn't have those cultural experiences, then we wouldn't be who we are, right? Mm. Um, and I think it's, you know, there's responsibility on both sides, but I think, you know, it's as a wider agenda, it definitely needs to be part of, you know, a government plan and a bigger plan within government. I guess it's sort of slightly ironic because it's great for the games industry if everyone stays home all the time. <laughs> yeah true yeah i mean it's you know a little like a like obviously there's mobile games and you know people play them on the on the bus or whatever but yeah there's also a sense i think of, of being slightly recession proof you know yeah but there was like you know there was a really great game that was released on xbox game pass this year and i cannot remember the name of it off my top of my head but it was a, a young i believe it was a young girl who was around 15 years old who created a BAFTA uh, it, it ended up winning a BAFTA and it was a game about mental health Amazing. and the fact that that type of thing is is being able to be made you know it's not a big triple a shooter it's something that you can play for less than 30 minutes and just enjoy it like an episode of tv um is is the type of stuff that I really like to see and that's what I really like to see coming out of the industry is these experimental really cultural driven games I love the idea of Game Pass. I don't have an Xbox myself for no particular reason than just not having an Xbox. But that whole thing of Game Pass, I'm interested in from less a consumer side because it's like, you know, we know how it works, right? You pay a fee and you get all the games you can eat. But from a developer point of view and from someone in your position, is it something where you would like to be? Like, do you see lots of benefit in that versus... Um, you know, getting people to pay 10 quid to download to download your game? Like, how does that balance out for you? I, th I think it's a bit 50-50, you know, like, especially as a young independent developer, it's like a bit of an unknown as well for us. So it's like, how would, you know, if everyone was on a subscription like Netflix, how would any, anyone, you know, if we weren't on that service, what type of impact would that have on us? But at the same time, right, things like Netflix, they, they deliver things you would never, ever pay for. Um, if it wasn't on Netflix, like <laughs> there's so many good documentaries. I don't think anyone would have watched Tiger King if they had to pay a tenner for it. Mm. But the experience that that brought, I'm sure many people loved it. Like, I guess it's like one of those things if, if Microsoft kind of came up to you and said, here's a bag of cash for, you know, for the license to your game and we'll give you, you know, 10 quid for everyone that downloads it versus that kind of Spotify economic uh, economy model where it's like, here's, you know, 10p per song. Good luck. Yeah. We're going to gut your CD sales. Well, it benefits, it benefits Microsoft hugely to have these independent um, uh, developers on their platform because we're the ones who create the content, you know, like we're the ones who hold on the cards because if we go somewhere else, then that's that platform just going to, um hamper so it's it's within it's within these bigger companies to keep us happy as well um which is why i'm not overly afraid of things like game pass 2. 
Yeah. Do you feel like indies are getting finally the sort of recognition and notice that they deserve? There's obviously going to be a huge market for AAAs, right? I mean, if you look at Sony, they've got a trillion dollars to spend on marketing Miles Morales. But do you feel like with things like the Switch and, um, you know, more accessible options like Game Pass, it's it's giving indies more of a breathing space and a, a way to prove to people that just because a game is not AAA doesn't mean it's not going to blow the fucking mind? Yeah, definitely. Like, I think there was a bit of an indie bubble, but it it does seem to be slowing down a little bit. But I think what's really cool is that the fact that anyone can go out there and just pick up and, and create a game like if they want to, they can, uh, you know, it, it almost reminds me of the you when you think of the, the bedroom coders back in the days of the ZX Spectrum or the Commodore 64, where people could just, you know, they use the machine in their house to make games. And that's pretty much what can be done now. And so many people are interested in it. Um, or just the idea of it as well and to be able to go out there there's a load of knowledge online that you can just pick up things learn something and just start developing it's really really cool um i definitely think that respect for indies has has grown a lot um and it's just like you know it's like any anything else it's just realizing that there's really cool stuff out there that people are doing which is really cool and they deserve to be seen you know Mm, yeah, I think one of the, the biggest battles is like how you get found on somewhere like the eShop or Game Pass or whatever, you know, like there's so much limited attention. Yeah, definitely. Um, and But that's that's one of the things why Game Pass is so good because you've just got that list and if there's an indie game on there, like um, Fogs here from Dundee is on Game Pass now and such a cute little game and you know it just opens it up to so many people who would never have thought about it before or never played it before um but you know it's just about making those connections so that you can take advantage of things like game pass or take advantage of um uh what a publisher can do for you and for for your game you know and uh you, ha- you have to get yourself out there to be able to do that yeah absolutely dude thank you so much for coming and chatting i really appreciate it it's been fun Yeah, no worries. Take it easy, man, and have a good day. Hello again there. Uh, Just stunning stuff from Seb again, I'm sure you agree. Uh, As I said earlier on, Seb is a man of many podcasts, including the Scottish Business Podcast and also the More Than Punk Podcast. So if you want to hear more from Seb Mackay, that's where to go. If you want to hear more from us or read more from us or basically find out anything you could possibly want to know about the Scottish games industry as it stands, head to scottishgames.net where you'll find lots of lovely articles, news, company profiles, just hundreds of carefully curated, expertly concocted content. You can also follow us on Twitter, at Scottish Games, where you can get in touch with the podcast as well. Just send us a message on there. We've also got a Discord link to that on the website. And you can also get in contact the old-fashioned way via email go to the website and the contact us page and on there you'll find a form that will take you straight to Brian's inbox so so please be on your best behavior when you get in touch that way because Brian does not forget well that's it for this week thanks again for listening and see you next time bye bye